What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. Today is, what is today, Thursday, whatever, 2020. We're in a pandemic. You guys listening to episode 449, and I have a great, great guest today. Uh, you guys know him from Barstool. Uh, KFC is on the show. Uh, the man who started Barstool Sports in New York, and uh, I know that he, <laughs> I know that he hates the Mets. We're going to talk about that. Uh, KFC, Kevin, thank you so much for being here, buddy. You got it, man. My honor. Thanks for having me. No, of course, of course. So um, I know that you are a big. Obviously, you're a big sports guy. That's how you got into this. Now, are you always born and raised? You're a New Yorker. Yes, sir, through and through. I was born in City Island in the Bronx. I live in Mount Vernon now. Uh, been, I did a little bit in uh, Pelham, New Rochelle, but, you know, through and through Westchester and the Bronx. Oh, dude, I'm a Westchester guy. Yeah, I, I, I just was watching the special, and I didn't realize you're a Yonkers dude, huh? Well, I was born in Yonkers. Now I'm up. Now I'm upstate by, like, Katona. Okay. So you got um, some money in your pocket, and now you can, like, you know, <laughs> you can get up there a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I didn't know that you were – yeah, I had family from Mount Vernon. You, But City Island uh, – I know some people in City Island. City, City Island's like this kept secret in New York that not too many oh, people – It's right? so funny, man. It, it's like – so we've been there. I was born there. My family owns apartments there for, like, 30-plus years. So we – you know, we're like lifers on City Island. And we watch all these people come on the island for the seafood and they, the traffic. Even during the pandemic, people are still trying to get on the island for this shitty goddamn seafood. It's not that fucking good, man. And we just sit on this little rock. It's like the land that time forgot. It's a weird, weird place, man. I, I was in City Island. And when I was there, somebody pointed out a restaurant on the water and they were like, dude, it's the best fucking oysters you'll ever no. have in your life. And I'm like, no. I'm like, I've been to New England. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're sitting here on the fucking Long Island Sound. None of it's fresh. And if it is, it's, it's like, you know, toxic. No, it's not the best seafood you've ever had. I promise you. Oh, that's fucking, that is great. Uh, so let's get into sports real quick. I noticed that you have a hatred. You have a hatred for, well, you're a Met fan. Yes, but I hate them. You, you hate what's going on. You hate how it's being run. Yep. Um, I'm a Knicks fan, so I feel the same way. I'm sure you know that. Yep. Will the Mets, okay, will the Mets get their shit together in the next five years, do you think? I think it all depends on if the Wilpons are still the owners. And I'm starting to finally lean towards them. I think they're done. I don't think they can survive this. I think the pandemic is actually – I don't want to say this, but as a Mets fan, it's a pretty good thing, I think, because if the Wilpons lose like $200 million this year, I don't see how they can, can – they, they can't run the, the, the team or the franchise when times are good. So yeah. if, if they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars, I feel like they're finally going to have to just give up. I thought I had it, man. I saw the light with Steve Cohen, the, uh, the hedge fund yeah. billionaire, and, uh, and that all fell apart, which was like – the ultimate Mets fan thing. We were all throwing a party. We were basically were having a fucking World Series parade already, and that all falls apart. If if the Wilpons are still there, the Mets it's it's like Dolan. Like the Knicks will never win until Dolan's gone. The Mets will never win until Wilpon's gone. Uh, so if in the next five years they get bounced, I think that the Mets. I think they have a chance to be like, if, if Steve Cohen owns that team, I think he's gonna throw his money on the table, throw his dick on the table, and try to buy a World Series. So I feel like. There's a an outside shot they become like a true New York franchise, but it all depends on whether or not they get the hell out of there. 
it's funny, you know a franchise is in really bad shape and disarray when like one of the biggest things to happen in recent years is that the owners are leaving. I remember being in the car and I'm listening to the radio and they're just going like, I remember, I think it was like the fan and they're going, Mets fans rejoice. Yes, it's and happening. I'm, and I'm yeah. going, what happened? What happened? They're like, the Will Ponza might be selling. And I was just like, wow, you know it's in bad. You know it's in wow. bad. But listen, that's the same thing with the Knicks, man. Like the Knicks, a lot of people are saying, I, I will say this though. I don't think Dolan is as bad as the Wilpons. Would you agree with that? <laughs> uh, I, or you think- I feel like, you know, we're splitting hairs here. We're talking butch. about, I mean, they're all, all my teams have the worst owners in arguably all of sports. The Knicks should be this crown jewel of the NBA. And they, the, the irony with the Knicks is they always sell out anyway. So if they just <laughs> rebuilt the right way, Right. The fan, like the fans would understand it and the fans are going to the arena anyway. He's going to make, you know, the problem in New York usually is like, you know, we have fans who demand excellence. We can't afford to rebuild for the next 10 years. So instead they're just buying up like washed up veterans and trying to put a, a bandaid on a gunshot. And now it's been 20 years instead. If they would just commit to a true rebuild and stop meddling around with it, I think they would be like this incredible sports franchise. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing about Dolan is he has – like, the Wilpons are broke. The Wilpons I don't, don't, don't have the capability, smarts-wise and financially-wise, to actually run the team. I think Wilpon, uh, Dolan does. He's just, he's just a fucking idiot. So, I don't know. It's like, pick your poison. It's like, which is worse? You have the, the, the means to do it, but you're a moron, or you don't have the means at all. It, you know, either way, I think both franchises are pretty screwed. I, I think that a lot of NBA players – I think NBA players are like – don't want to are like when he's gone let's come to new york well remember do you remember the the summer of lebron where it was like where's lebron gonna go and you know people like maybe the next man who knows maybe he's gonna come to the mecca he's gonna come to Manhattan. i was was dude we sold t-shirts i sold t-shirts that had lebron's face when it looked like obama and it said hope i was like we're bringing lebron here and then you know afterwards you you hear about his decision making process and it's like he didn't even fucking consider the knicks for a millisecond no, I, I was going like, he's, he's making the announcement in Greenwich. That's where the next <laughs> practice, I'm telling you, it's part of, he's coming to New York. And it was just, and he basically fucked every Bulls fan, Knicks fan, because we all thought there was a chance. Yep. You know, the yep. delusion, the fucking delusion of it. Meanwhile, Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade are laughing their ass off going, he's coming here. I'm going to South Beach. Fuck you guys. He did it again with when, when he went to the Lakers. It was like, maybe he's going to stay in Cleveland. Who knows? Maybe this and that. He's like, I'm going to fucking L.A. because I'm going to be a superstar, dude. It's like uh, all these things are decided so far in advance, I think. Yes. Yes. We get it, obviously, at the end when, when all the negotiations are done. That's why we're the dumb fans, man. It's like that's why we do what we do. Um, that leads me to something I wanted to definitely talk to you about, which is the last dance. Mm-hmm. I have this thing on the last dance that I was saying, Kevin, I go, what do you think LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden are actually thinking while they're watching this and watching this guy lifting weights to beat the Pistons mm-hmm. and like no thought of joining any super team mm-hmm. and I feel like the guys of today have to watch that and go, we did some weak shit, right? I don't know, though. I mean, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I just think that if you're the type to do that shit, 
right. you, you've justified it in your head a thousand times over. It's a different time. It's, it's not the same. I want to, you know, I have plans beyond just basketball. So I need to get the, the ring and get the monkey off my, all that shit. If you're the type to, to join up with a super team, you've, you've convinced yourself, you know what I mean? Whether or not you really believe it, you've convinced yourself of the lie. It's just at the very least, you got to be thinking like Kevin Durant's got to be thinking like, all right, like I got my rings, but man, it would have been dope to do it that way, to do it like he did it with, if I did it with the thunder, you know? So there's got to be in deep down places they don't talk about. They've got to think that, right? I, you know what? That's a great, great answer. And I think you're right because like they were sitting with their mothers, right? And their mothers are going, just be happy, baby. Do it, honey. Yeah. Just be happy. <laughs> be happy, baby. So, you know, but Jordan, man, like watching that, let me know. And I'll tell you, I've got, you know, a guy that I really have more respect for now is Miller because Reggie mm -hmm. Miller was shooting like that, but getting the shit kicked out of him. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying Steph Curry couldn't do that. Cause I think Steph is the best shooter I've ever seen, Yeah. but Steph doesn't get those, those checks or those hits. He's kind of right. running around, gets open and shoots. So those guys, especially going against the Knicks teams and stuff. Oh man. I mean, they were taking a beating. I don't, I don't know though. Cause I always think this way about when people start to compare different eras I think, like, Steph Curry plays the game he plays because of the way the league is. I think if you took Steph Curry's talent and right. dropped him in the 90s and said, like, you're going to have to take some bumps and hit the weights and, 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 like, I think he could do it. You know what I mean? Same thing with, like, all these, you know, if you start to compare guys, you know, Wilt to – it's like they were talented enough and played the way the game was played then. And if you change the rules on them and told them they have to do this, that, the other thing, I think they would probably thrive there as well. But yeah, Reggie, man, he was he was such a motherfucker. I don't know if I can ever say I respect him because I hate him so much. Oh, but the fact that he was like right there as maybe the guy who's gonna take him down. It's funny that he doesn't get all the shit for the push off though. Jordan takes all the shit for that push off against the Jazz. That one, I mean, Reggie does two hands, shoves him into like mid court. But yeah, man, that was uh your your boy Bill actually uh, kind of opened my eyes when we were interviewing Bill Burr. One of my knocks on the Last Dance was that it's very much told through Jordan's eyes and ears and the lens of MJ. Sure. And Bill was like, fucking good, man. The media tried to tell his story for him for 30 years. I'm happy to hear it from MJ's side, which I thought was an interesting way to put it because I think there's definitely, you know, there's, there's, I think things were a little dra like dramatized or a little fudged or whatever, sure. but it, I feel like it's good for a guy like MJ who's been so quiet for so long to be like, here's how I view things. Yeah, no, I think that, of course, it's going to be slated towards him. And it's going to be, I get that. And it should, listen, it's his, he was the last dance. Like, it, it's mm -hmm. about him. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I still think he's a, listen, people are like, oh, no, you know, I like him better now. I kind of understand. I know, as a comedian, I've heard too many stories on the road about him being a dick. Okay, I go into a cigar lounge and I'm wearing my Jordan. If you look behind me, I have all Jordans. I love Jordan sneakers. I had the Jordan four cements on, white cements on, mm -hmm. in a cigar lounge in Atlanta. I was performing at the Punchline in Atlanta. I go to a cigar lounge. That's what I do on the road. And the manager's looking. He looks me up and down. He looks at my Jordan fours and he goes, "Those are dope, man. I like those. Unfortunately, I can't wear them again because that piece of shit came in here and was the Ooh. biggest dickhead." You know, I was on an airplane, a flight attendant said he couldn't have been more cold to his, his teammates and his friends. Mm. So, and, and when you hear 12 of those and literally, right. and then right. people are like, well, that's how he won. I get that dude. But like, cause listen, I think there's some truth to that. LeBron is a night. I, I think LeBron, I've been hard on LeBron for sure. 
I've, mm-hmm. I've said LeBron is a softer player, not like not talent wise, but you know, this joining teams and killer like, instinct and all that kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. Entitled and stuff like that. But I know deep down inside, you could tell LeBron's like a good dad. He's like oh, yeah. a great person. No doubt. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good person. And, and, and so I'm not going to knock him for that. Jordan is just this guy who like clearly had a fucking issue with his brother. Right. <laughs> Literally had the inferior thing. So he's yeah. just like, he's a competitive lunatic, but that doesn't mean he's not an asshole. So me and Burr got into that. Another thing, and I agree with what you said about the errors because, um, Burr and I had an epic Bill Burr, myself and Giannis Pappas, another funny comedian, you know, Giannis, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Bill, I, Bill, myself and Giannis had this argument about Babe Ruth. Uh, I've said Babe Ruth, uh, Pete Rose has said Babe Ruth, and Bill's going, well, it's a fucking beer league, and they were fat doing it. And I'm going, but if you took Babe Ruth and you took his hitting ability and you put it into today, and he had the, like you said, he had the benefits of the training that they have today. He had the medicine and the trainers. Then all of a sudden, that's Babe Ruth in 2020. Right. If you, if you took, like, a time machine and just brought him from, you know, 19 or whatever and brought him in, he would get smoked left and right. I mean, he wouldn't be able to keep up. You, you, you get some fucking, you know, junk middle reliever who would probably blow him away. Yeah. But if you took that talent and told him you're going to start hitting in the cages when you're fucking six and you're going to be playing in these camps and traveling baseball, he would be fucking good. He would be, you know, he, that, that talent translates. Absolutely. Um, another thing interesting about you, I was, you know, obviously I don't want to have somebody on the show. I knew we knew of each other. Mm-hmm. But we didn't. We never actually got to hang it. And one thing is that you're really like you're not just a sports guy, dude. Like you, you have you're like pop culture. And yeah, like- I mean to be honest, at this point, my career is probably less sports. Like yeah. when we first started, it was like I'll be the Mets guy, I'll be the Jets guy, and then we started to dabble in just comedy and pop culture. And at the, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess the the problem probably is I'm I've been at Barstool for eleven years now been a, 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 the same sports fan I've been for 35 now. It's like, what more can I keep saying about these teams? It's the same goddamn story over and over again. So I don't know if it's that or just uh, getting a little bit older or I've been getting into more of like, I, I started to fall in love with stand-up comedy a lot more. So I look at it like the comedy side of things, but like I'll, I'll still watch games, comment on the games. You'll watch me on live streams. But when I, when it comes to like writing and recording and all that shit, I'm much more looking towards the pop culture angle and just like the humor angle overall now. Yeah. And that's like kind of, and it's almost like the way a stand-up comedian evolves with their material and everything. After a while, you're like, okay, I've been at Barstool for this many, how many times am I going to talk about this? Now all of a sudden I see other things and I have other opinions and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're, everything just evolves. Like Right. And it's a fine line because you don't want to like sell out. You don't want to completely abandon what people like about you. Like I try to keep, you know, the OG stuff going, but also, I mean, you know, since I've been at Barstool, I was a single guy, got married, had kids, got divorced. Like a lot of shit has happened. I've changed, you know, as a person where it's like, I'm going to have some different takes and, and talk about some different things. But I also feel like at the heart of it, like my personality, who I am is probably based on being a loser Mets fan, Jets fan, frustrated Knicks fan. Like, that's why I'm an asshole. That's why I lash out at you. That's why I hate you. Because I'm just like, why did this happen to me? Why? Why not the other way, you know? <laughs> so so let me ask you that. So getting back to it, how did you start 11 years ago when you, like, 
when Barstool was obviously much smaller, mm -hmm. you got in probably on the ground, like on the ground much, up. Yeah, uh, it was, so it was 09 at the time. Uh, actually, I guess 08, I started my own blog, like for fun, based on, I read Barstool, I read a couple other like pop culture blogs. And at the time I was working, at, uh, working as an accountant at Deloitte & Touche, which was like a disaster for me. Like, wow. Yeah, I, I, out of college, I got my MBA, I was going to do the finance thing, I fell into this job at Deloitte, and it, honestly, funny enough, it was like right when the recession hit, and it, all of the stuff that I was doing at work was like the reason for the recession. So I, like, I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, I don't know, it pays well, I'll get benefits, let's go. Like the next day, I hear on the news, like, watch out for collateralized loans, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's what I do, like, what, what's going on here? So I did that for like probably like four years. And two of those years, I was doing barstool and accounting at the same time. So I had started a blog, I was doing it for fun, you know, getting probably like a few hundred people on the website, and I wasn't making money or anything. And uh, Dave Portnoy, who's the founder up in Boston, said he wanted to expand into New York. And his original idea was like, satellite cities, not just one website. And the first city he wanted to open up was New York. So I sent him my, uh, my website, I was like, here's my writing. And I guess, oddly enough, someone had already sent it to him. And he was like, I've already been kind of keeping an eye on your shit. You know, like, I like what I see. He narrowed it down to me and one other guy. And he was like, I can't decide between you two. How about you split the job? You split the money, split the writing, and you can keep your day job. Which was perfect for me because, like, it was a good paycheck. At the time, Barstool was very, like, unproven. I didn't know if it was going to work. Like, who knows what blogs are going to be, you know? So I got to do both for a couple years, which was some, like, alter ego shit. Like, no one at that Deloitte knew I was blogging. None of the blog readers knew I was an accountant. So I had this like Walter White Heisenberg shit going on. Uh, and then a couple years later, like, you know, it was obvious we were going to, you know, grow. I still never in my wildest dreams thought we were going to be on this level, but I knew it was going to be enough to be like a, a steady job. So I quit the other shit and went full time. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes people ask me like, how, like, what should, how do I get into it? I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. I got so lucky. It was a matter of timing and, uh, you know, I, I, it's like if Barstool started today, I don't know if I could get a job there. Like, like the, the, the level of, of competition and the amount of funny that's out there is so goddamn hard. I, I think I was just right place, right time. Yeah, you know what? It's really cool, too, because, like, you, you guys have to be funny. Like, you guys, are, you guys yeah. are funny. Like, there's nothing, you know, which is funny because, like, if somebody was like, yeah, you want to hear an accountant talk about fucking sports? <laughs> You'd be yeah. like, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's why I was like, I remember being like, I got to get the fuck out of here because I like everyone else is getting promoted and like doing all this big shit in accounting. And I was like, I am terrible at this. This is not for me, man. I never I never thought that I would be doing this kind of shit, radio, podcast, all that. But I knew as soon as I got a taste of the corporate world, I was like, this, this is not for me. No way. Yeah, you knew. You knew. And then it's great that you got to. Yeah, it's funny. You found something you love. But when people are like, hey, how do I do that? Like when people ask me about stand up, they're like, how do I, how do I get into stand up? I'm like, well, it's pretty simple. You got to have five minutes and go to an open mic and you're probably mm -hmm. going to eat your dick. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you might not eat your dick, which is great, but you're probably going to eat a dick sandwich and then you're going to see, hey, do you want to improve on it? But it's like the hell that like would stand up. I mean, I'm sure though, coming in as a, as a, as a blogger, not making any money and going, hey, I'm yeah. going to try a career. That's pretty well, tough. So, but that's what I'm saying. That's where I got real lucky that I was able to have the, the, the safety net with my day job. Cause that, and that's why I always commend you and any other uh, stand-up act because 
Like you're, it's, it's bombing constantly. It's no money constantly. It's travel constantly. You got to really, really love that shit to grind it out and make it to where you guys are. Cause it is not easy for me. I was lucky. It was like the blog itself was a grind, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on the road. I wasn't eating ramen noodles. Cause I had this fucking accounting job on the side, you know? Right. And, and I wonder sometimes, I mean, I, I would like to tell you that I have the, the Jordan last dance mentality where I was going to like grind it out and make it happen. I don't know if I would have though. Uh, so, Cause when I see how much shit you guys got to go through to get to where you're at, it's, I commend it, man. You guys are, you guys are sick. You're crazy. One of the, one of the, uh, well, thank you. One of the uh, things that I did dude, and I, one thing that I do pride myself on and I don't, I'm not a pat myself on the back, but I kind of see things early and I was 23 years old. I think I was at the TikTok diner with my wife, girlfriend at the time. I was doing black rooms. I was doing eight mile shit, dude. Really. <laughs> and, uh, and I was doing competitions and whatever I could do. And I am dating this girl. Graduated from, could have went anywhere. Her mother, like mother paid for it. So she ended up graduating from Rutgers. Um, great grades, top of her class. Gorgeous girl. I'm 23 at the time. And I go, look, I looked her in the face and I go, this is what I'm doing. And I go, I'm either going to be, I'm either going to be broke in my thirties or forties, or I'm going to be okay in yeah. my thirties or forties, but this is the road. And if you want to go marry some doctor, lawyer, and I listen, God bless. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk to your mother, talk to your family, whoever the fuck you got to talk to right. this is what I'm doing. And she actually did. And she worked and I would contribute whatever I could until I eventually mid twenties started to like, I opened, started to, I opened for Burr. And then I opened for Brewer and then I would open for people like that. And then I started to just work up and then it was like, but saying those words to her in that diner. So smart. It was, I need, yeah, because a lot of people, Oh, we're going to be rich in yeah. two years. I'm telling or, you, we're going to be in a fucking movie. Or you just don't even have the, like the foresight to explain, like, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly for a little bit. Like you're going to really have to be ride or die. And like, and you know, I, 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 that's fucking, you know what? That's fucking romantic, Paul. That is fucking romantic, dude. I like that. I, I probably should have done that, to be honest. I'm divorced now, and I don't think I was ever, like, fully honest about what my job was going to entail and how it was all going to work. I probably should have more foresight the way you did. You have, uh, you have kids? Yeah, two kids, four and two. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, my son's going to be 11 tomorrow, and my daughter just turned uh, eight. Tell me it gets easier, bro. It does. It <laughs> does. Like, once they could start, like, you'll get to the point where they could watch each other. Yeah, <laughs> just like go. <laughs> you know, like when one's eight and one's six, they're, yeah. they're going to be like, all right, dude, daddy's going to, you know, go right or do something. Yeah, yeah. But it, what do you have, a boy and a girl? Yeah, I got an older girl, younger boy. So, oh, nice. so you know. right. yeah, you got, you got a perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, no, man, you got to, you got to have that. You got to have that. Dude, and I have that on podcasts sometimes. I've been on podcasts, dude, I'm telling you, I've been on podcasts where I start to feel something not right. And I'm going like, I, I'm not going to be a part. My career is not going to be fucked up because somebody's going to drop a fucking word. Mm -hmm. you know? I'm mm -hmm. not talking, listen, I let things go and I'm honest. I'm not talking about like censorship where like it's, no, it's, it's not stupid, real. like hateful, dumb, you know, yeah, detrimental if, shit. Yeah. It's stupid. If, I, if I'm on a podcast and some like hateful racist shit is going on and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? You guys don't give a fuck because you want clicks. Mm -hmm. right you want likes and clicks and oh did you hear the shock value because they got nothing to lose and it's like no man i'm like i'm st i'm hopefully getting into theaters now and like things mm -hmm. are working and and, and, I, and I, I i think that comes from 
you know, so many people now can rise to prominence on the internet with a little bit of talent, a little bit of shock value and a little bit of luck. And they're not, they're not realize they're not, they're not jeopardizing 20 years of grinding it out like you are. You know what I mean? It's like you people like you have come too far to be like, I'm going to throw it all away to be on like one fucking podcast. Like, <laughs> get the hell out of here, dude. Yeah, so just, let, me, let me ask you a question. I was thinking about this when, because we before we started recording, I mentioned that I was at the Madison Square Garden show where all you guys performed. And so you opened for Burr what? How many years ago? Like how, how long did your Burr relationship start? So... The thing is, Bill is West Coast when we yeah. pretty much got started. He spent 10 years in New York, but he went out to the West Coast, um, and I'm on the East Coast. So he would have some people out there. But I would say a lot of people thought I was Bill's opener for a long time. I was not. Like, Bill and I are friends first and sports fans. So he would go, hey, dude, let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars game. You'll open for me that weekend. And it kind of worked out that way. But probably, like – 08, 09 is when I would do like weekends with him around. Okay. Then we'd go on a break because I would have my own thing. And then, but uh, I have not worked for Bill uh, as far as like opening for him for a few years because it was just time. My special came out. And that's yeah. kind of that's how it happened. But I, I was wondering if like, if you're in a crew and all of a sudden he's like, hey, you want to open for me? And it's, you know, you're used to doing clubs or theaters and he's like, let's do an arena. Are you like, oh, fuck? Or are you just like down for the challenge? Well, so our relationship, our relationship grew where when he got a big one, where he was like, oh, fuck, he, would, was, want, he would want people yeah. that he loved to, to be around. Cool. So, like, the first big one uh, it was um, Carnegie Hall. We did. Woo. Like, we did Carnegie Heard of Hall. Like, Heard of it. <laughs> yeah, seven, yeah, seven, eight years ago, and he's like, I want you to open the show. And I'm like, holy shit. So that was nervous. Then I remember he got his first arena at Wells Fargo where the 76ers play. And I remember doing that with him, and that was like, wow. And then – this run that you saw uh, a year and a half ago, whatever, uh, we did the TD Garden in Boston, which went phenomenal. And I said, man, I said, if, if, if MSG could go even 50% of what happened in Boston, and I ended up having one of the sets of my life at the Garden, too. It was like, it was like, it was like the TD Garden. Yeah. Um, but we were prepared. So it was almost like a, it was almost like we already had our playoff games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I like get we, it. We've been to a couple AFC championships. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's like, you know, we've we go. weather conditions. Yeah. 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 I feel but, it. Um, yeah. No, that was a, that was one, that was one where it was like, um, you're so nervous and then you get calm. It was, mm -hmm. it was this weird thing of build, build, build. And then it was game time. And it's like, I'm fucking ready. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I was you. ready. And then what was really crazy was afterwards, it was surreal. There was, like, fucking new kids on the block back there. Like, Chris <laughs> Rock Chris Rock, and Quest Love were back there. And, like, knowing that I had the set that I had, I was just. Oh, that's a fucking feeling and a half, dude. That's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. My, dude, we're, we're, we're doing, like, live podcast shit, not, like, stand-up. But we just started to do the podcast live. And we did, like, Caroline's. We did the Wilbur once. That was, like, the biggest we've done. But I'll be in, you know, I'll room with like 200, 300, and I'm like sweating bullets and freaking out. Especially kind of what we do is like, I don't have a set. I don't. It's not like I know like these jokes are gonna kill because we're just doing the podcast. We're just bullshitting. And I'm like, I, I hope the conversation's funny tonight. I don't know if it's gonna be. Like these people might not like it at all. But when you do that, Kevin, like if you sit down and because that's actually like when I think of that, that is kind of like I've done live podcasts at the Comedy Cellar. And I know that's an actual like that's a muscle, man. Like and mm. you have bullet points though going in, right? Yeah, for the most we'll have like a 
framework of what we're doing, but I never know like this is going to get a laugh and this part's going to be funny. Maybe I should probably figure that out. <laughs> but for right now, we're still just kind of, I mean, we've only done like five or six of them. So I really have no, no like practice or idea yet. Um, but it's, I, I mean, I, I, I was thinking this the other day, I always hear comics be like, I love this. Like I'm willing to bomb. I'm willing to like go through the, the lean years and I'm like, I don't know if I have that or not. I want to be good at it, but I don't know if I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm willing to bomb over and over and over again before no, I get there. No, and you're right about that. And to be honest with you, we all don't bomb all the time. Luckily, luckily, knock on wood, well, two things happened with me. It was a, it was a double-edged sword, and I'm going to tell you why. That's a fucking great point you just brought up. God, this is a good podcast. <laughs> I feel it. You know when you do it and you feel it? Yep, yep. I fucking feel it. I'm like, oh, this guy, you're set, because it's not the same shit, you know? Yep. It's just, oh, how's your fuck? Anyway, um, I, my personality and my stage presence was something that when my material wasn't great at the beginning, because I was just starting, and I didn't really have much to talk about. I was in my early 20s. I'm talking about, what, jerking off. I had no kids. Yeah. I had, you know. Right. But one thing that I knew is, like, people liked me, and people would go, dude, I would have veteran comedians come up to me or guys that were doing it, I should say, longer than me going, hey, man, you got a stage presence. So for me, people were smiling and laughing and liked me, and I would get laughs. But that's a good thing. But it also, in the first few years, hurt me because I felt like, not that this is easy, but I'm like, yo, they like me. Ah, right, and, right. And that made me not push. And I'll tell you a great story. I, I don't know how many people I've told this to, but you got me talking here. I was in the <laughs> same, that same weekend in Jacksonville with Burr. Mm -hmm. the, the Jaguars played uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. What a, what a game you guys picked, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and I think it started to – and it poured at the end of it. It was brutal. Um, but – we were eating wings and I was just talking shit. I was a younger, hungry comic and I'm going like, I'm going to, I'm going to be great, Bill. I'm going to be great. And he's just sitting there and he's eating wings and he's looking at me talk and he's not saying much. And then he just got quiet and he looked me in my fucking eyes and he goes, you're never going to be great if you don't dig deeper. And, and, and it was like, yeah, talk about the things. So it does say in our world, it says like we become the, the comedian that we're supposed to be finding your voice. Mm -hmm. We find our voice, everybody says 10 years. Chris Rock has said it, this mm -hmm. one has said it. And I really did find that about 10, 10 and a half years, uh, like Louis C.K. said, when you're the funny you off stage, on stage. Right. Of right. course, you might, be, you might be a little exaggerated. You might be a little more, like I'm sure when you talk sports in your world, you're yeah. fucking, you know, you're KFC. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like you're KFC, for sure. you're fucking, yeah. you know what I mean? So when I'm up there, but it's real, like the stories are real mm -hmm. and, and it is my point of view. And if I say something that somebody doesn't like, I'm sticking with it. That's another level of, of like when you turn a corner. 10 years though, man. See, I think about that now. So, you know, you guys all start in your 20s or sometimes even earlier. I'm like, so I'm not going to get good at this until I'm 45? Fuck, are you, man. Are you, are you thinking about doing stand-up? Well, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I definitely just not not even being, like, self-deprecating or humble. Like, I, I don't know if I got it like that the way you guys do. I think I could do some sort of what – what I'm hoping I can do is, like, a live podcast – live show like sometimes i want to incorporate like videos and and pictures on like a screen kind of bring the blog to life like my my dream would almost be to come up with like a new kind of form of live comedy where it's like it's not stand up but it's not just a live podcast where you're going to watch me bullshit 
something that's like a little bit different. Uh, I did, I did one, one time I opened for, uh, I opened for Josh Wolf, did like a seven minute set. Nice guy. Yeah. Pretty okay. Um, but I, I mean, it's almost like, I don't know. I got the kids. I got the job now. I don't know if I can go on the road. I don't know if I can grind it out all over the country. So I don't know if it's like even worth trying to go down like the, the stand up road. But I, I also know the next stage for us is going to be some sort of live entertainment. So I got to start somewhere, you know? Well, here's the thing, dude. You, you're ahead of the game anyway because you have an audience. So, mm-hmm. if- But you know what? That cuts both ways, though, because I feel like if I get on stage and I suck, people are kind of like, oh, I thought, like, oh, I've been following him for years. I've been reading his blogs. I thought he was funny. This guy actually kind of sucks at this. Right. Well, <laughs> well yes. But, real. <laughs> no, but what you were saying before with the video clips, and it seems like, and, and there are people that have done it where it's almost like you want to do like your one man show type of deal, kind of, but you do your wheelhouse, right? So you mm-hmm. can talk like, cause somebody that comes to see, like, let's say you were, let's just say, for example, you were going to do, let's just say, I'm just totally saying, let's say Gotham comedy club, right? So mm-hmm. KFC is on the marquee at Gotham. Now, you know that those fans are people that, that come there are read your blogs, love your shit, love your mm-hmm. sports. So those people already like you. Then, so if you could kind of turn it into a live podcast, but do the things that you want and hone that, then you're going to turn it into a show. All I'm yeah. saying is, you're not somebody walking in going, "Who the? Oh, what's his name? Your buddy over there, right? Um, Francis." Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember it's funny. I'm in Gotham, and they're going, "Oh, this kid's here for the weekend." And um, I'm always nice to. I'm not one of these like, "Who the fuck is that?" Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, who is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And, and he was, he was, I guess, doing, you know, doing stand up over there or whatever. And they were like, oh, it's a barstool guy. And he was, and he was newer, but you know, he does like stand up, stand up. But yeah. at first I didn't know, you know, right. you know what it was, but that would be interesting because you're right. It's all, it's all going to be live shit now. Yeah. And, and I, I do know that there's kind of like this fraternity, this brotherhood of you guys. And I'm like, so aware of that. And I don't want to be the dude who's coming in and like not doing it the right way or not paying my dues. I also have this, like, I got some sort of mental block where I just, I'm just so surprised when people like me or find me funny that after our live shows, people are like, that was great. And I'm like, it was, I don't, I don't know. We were just fucking up there talking. Like, I don't know. We were just shooting the shit. And I think some, I don't, maybe you could tell me, I feel like a, a good, it's like a good middle ground in comedy to be like confident about yourself and like be like, I know I'm funny and I know I'm technically sound, but also the minute you become like, I'm the funniest fucking guy in the world, you're an asshole. Yeah. And it's, 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 this is a humbling thing and we're all, we're all insecure. Okay. Any comedian, trust me when I tell you, I'm sure Chris Rock, everybody's got that. Like, you know, you're only as good as your last show. Are you evolving? Yep. Are you getting better? Like I'm not somebody that, Burr said this, uh, Burr said something about me, which really made me feel good. He goes, you're the type, he goes, Burr, you're the type of comic that if somebody says, what's he like on stage? He goes, the, I don't have an answer. My answer is you got to see him 15 times. And I go, was that a good thing or a bad thing? And he goes, it's a great thing because I'm not like a shtick guy. Right. I'm not like, and listen, I know some great comedians in New York, but you know what you're getting. Yeah. Me, yep. my mood depends on it. If mm-hmm. something happened that day, that, I don't know if you remember, but that story at the garden, the last thing I did about my son hitting the basketball shot mm-hmm. saying, let's fucking go. Mm-hmm. Right. That happened in my driveway and I was just talking and, and, and um, 
I heard that like Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter heard about it and they were like, dude, that's funny. And I remember talking to some people going, you should do that on stage. I only did that joke once at the cellar and once at New York um, comedy club. And I'm going, I'm going to fuck it. If the set at the garden's going good, I'm going to do it. But like with me, it's like that. I'm like, yeah. I'm talking about my life, my family and my kids, but I would bet if you did it, or you did what you want to do because you're so good at your live podcast and you're able to kind of talk to people. Um, a, nobody's going to look at you like this guy's coming in our world. Fuck that. That's all. It's, mm -hmm. That's, that's not even real. That's just, no, this guy has an audience and he's going to go fucking make money and do what he loves. Okay. That's it. You know, that, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, nobody's going to go like, Oh, this fucking guy's intruding on our thing. Fuck that. And anybody that would do that, is just a jealous asshole anyway. It's yeah. like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, yep. No, this guy has an audience that he's worked for 11 years. Right. And now he's trying to go in a funny way and 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 entertain people. It's like, exactly. it's 2020. Fucking, it was a pandemic. Go fuck yourself, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and he's got two kids and fuck yeah. you. That's, uh, that's how I look at it. But um, yeah, it's interesting, man. It's interesting. And, and you have a perspective of pop culture. You have a perspective of, and you mm -hmm. are a father. So, so you said something before. You go, man, I don't know if I would start too late. Here's the thing. You have perspective. Like, mm -hmm. you know, a t I was a 21-year-old kid talking about drinking, dropping out of college, and jerking off. And right. You yeah, know? like my material when I start will be like some shit right away. I've seen some shit now. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you're divorced. I'm sorry yeah. about that, but like. No, but yeah, I mean, it's all like I, I, I find the harder life gets, like the more interesting your, 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 your topics of conversation get, and therefore probably your material yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, uh, you know what? You just changed my mind on that. It's great to start 10 years late. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Cause you all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh shit, people are coming more than, you know, <laughs> it, took, it took fucking 16 years for people to even give a shit, you know, because yeah, you got to right. build a fan base, man. Mm -hmm. And it was like, mm -hmm. and I, there were nights, dude, I'm not going to lie. There were nights and I'm still working up, but there were nights where like I would be on the phone with friends and I would be like, fuck man. I'll be like, dude, I just fucking killed and nobody gives, and, and, and they, what they call it in our business is killing in obscurity, right? You're just okay. killing, and, and, and guys like Burr would say, wait, man, just, just keep going, right. and you get to that festival, and people are going to see what you could do, and it's just keeping your head down doing it. It's kind of the same shit you, do, you did it at, you know, you yeah. worked away at Barcelona. Yeah, like, I mean, when we were writing blogs and doing podcasts at the beginning, nobody was listening. It was like the, it was like the digital or virtual version of killing to, like, an empty room. Where it was like, I know that blog was funny. I know that podcast was funny. And only like a couple thousand people downloaded it. But like, get those reps in. It's coming. Yeah, yeah. So now you had to interview like purse, like you came in? No, you know what? I never met him until I got the job. It was all kind of like, um, he, he would read like the, the blogs I posted. And it was like, this one's good. This one's funny. He would regularly email me, be like, you made it to like the next round or like you're on to, you know, the, the final four. And uh, then he started to take some of my writing from my site and post it on Barstool and be like, what do you think of this guy? And I don't think I met him. I talked to him maybe on the phone here and there, but I don't think I met him until I had the job. Wow. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's, it sounds silly, but it's also like it's how we operated for so long. Being in different cities and being on the internet, it was like, I'll read your tweets. I'll read your blog. I don't need to meet you face to face, you know? So, uh, yeah, it, that was 09 when we started New York. And then in like 15 or 16, maybe that's when we all came to the same place and got an office in Manhattan. Could you imagine going back to being an accountant or whatever you were doing? No. Could you imagine? No. Like, I got no shot, man. I got no chance. If this somehow disappears and I got to go back to like the regular world, 
I don't know, dude. You, you'll catch me, you know. KFC, like, fucking sweeping in a bowling alley. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> you know what? That, yeah, that, I would like that better than being, like, corporate and, and back in the cube. I'd rather just do some, like, manual labor shit than have to go back to, you know, bosses and managers and the, and the corporate bullshit. I actually can't believe, and I, I was young, so I get it. But what you just said, can you believe what people do? And I know people get upset when you say that. And they're like, well, fuck you, I'm feeding my kids. And, and I don't, you know, maybe I don't get on stage. But the, the way that you are told one hour lunch and the way that you are like, the numbers aren't good, man. Like, we got to have a meeting. And you're just thinking, like, this is not how, this is not how somebody. No, it, it's know? not the way to tell you how to dress, where to be, when to be, all that shit. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm lucky that, you know, my... I, I, my parents were, were supportive and raised me right. And I kind of had like a safety net where I could kind of take a risk, maybe, you know, different life circumstances. I would have just been like, I got to put food on the table, but man, it just was not even an option for me. It wasn't even like, I don't like this. It was like, I'm not, I'm not good at this. I'm not going to be yeah. like a successful, I'm not going to make partner at the firm. Cause like my personality and my brain and shit just does not work this way. So not even from a spoiled, like, I don't want to do this anymore. It was like, if I want to make some money and like provide for my family one day, I got to find another way. Yeah. You know something you said, luck, and I don't want to get into a podcast that I already did, but Tom Green, Tom Green was on the podcast and um, I'll send you the clip or whatever. It's, it's on the YouTube channel, but he talked about the triangle and he didn't take credit for it. He said that Larry King said it, but mm -hmm. he said, you could be talented, work hard and lucky. Those are the three points. Talent, luck, work hard. He goes, if you have two of them, you'll yeah. make it. Yeah. And it's like, but here's the thing, a guy like you just talking to you now, um, you were like, and I'm not even trying to be corny, the way you're passionate and the way you would probably write a sports blog. Mm -hmm. And then the way you fucking, when you talk about sports, you talk about whatever you do it with a little punch behind it. That, that is it. That needed to go somewhere. Yeah. And it wasn't in the financial world. Oh yeah. No shot. I mean, there's no passion. There's no, yeah. no personality in it at all. And, and I guess, I mean, again, kind of going back to how I'm like insecure about shit. I still don't think I'm like talented cause I'm just like talking sports and, and shooting the shit with my buddies. But I think there might be some sort of talent to the way people do that. You know, when it's entertaining versus when it's boring and we do it in a way that's entertaining. It's incredibly talent. It's incredibly talented. And, and cause when you listen to somebody talk sports on the radio, there are people, because I'm not a big, like, podcast in the car guy, unless, like, a murder one. Like, the, the only one that got me was Dirty John. Did you listen to that shit? Yeah, and I, I saw when it was on TV. I didn't, I didn't listen to the podcast, but oh, the, so murder, I I, the murder shit gets people going. I didn't, I didn't see it, but somebody, I did a gig out in, like, Springfield, uh, New Jersey, and somebody's, like, listen to it, and I was just locked in on it. But for the most part, I go to sports. Me too. And I'll turn, I'll turn off somebody that just is – a very kind of monotone, like even if they're saying facts, like Alex Rodriguez had 13 yeah. homers that month. And Regurgitating that shit. And yeah, it's like, give me something. But if I, there's a guy, who do I think? There's this kid, what's his name on? Do you listen to the fan ever or no? Is that like yeah. a freak? Yep. Um, JJ, John. Yeah. I knew you were going to say him. As soon as you said this kid on the fan, John Jaskrenski is like, he's got the accent. He's got the personality. He's got the, you know, the fire. Even when I disagree with him. And when mm -hmm. Mike and the Mad Dog were on, because Mike and the Mad Dog was my shit when it was like, you know, early yeah. 2000s, it was like, it didn't get better. And Mad Dog, as much as Mike can be, you know, arrogant to people, 
Mad Dog would drive me nuts because he would shit on the way he shit on the Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. Always shit on the Yankees. That's why I loved him. <laughs> Always, and I remember, I don't know if you're going to remember this, but I remember that Carl Pavano was, it was a free agent. Mm-hmm. And they talked to him. And then he gets off and, and, and Mad Dog goes, I, it sounds like he's going to the Red Sox. And I'm <laughs> in the car and I'm going, what? I go, if anything, it sounds like he's going to the Yankees, this fucking hater, right? Yeah. And, but that's what makes it – and then and Francesca couldn't stand it. Right. So that's what made it so good. There are people on the radio that I immediately turn off. So what you guys do, man, like it's the same thing with a comedian. I'm sure you've watched a comedian walk on stage and you give them a minute or two. Mm-hmm. And if you're just not engaged, maybe you respect what they're doing. Maybe right. You understand it's hard and okay, that was clever and funny, but that didn't make you gut bust laugh. Right. And it's the same thing with, but there are people that are accountants that were in your office that are, that are in your old office right now Still there. might talk about sports, but it's not going to be the way you do. Right. Even, even when I was there, it was like, I gravitated, gravitated towards the guys who were like normal guys talking sports. And then there was the guys who were like, corporate and i was like i ain't i ain't that you know and, and i can tell you're not me because of the way you talk and uh i don't i never had a moment where i was like i'm gonna go do that and like and succeed at it but it was like i'm gonna go do, do that and at least try while i'm young and shit because this ain't an option yeah yeah you knew you, you knew and you were that was 11 years ago so you were living alone like you were a young yeah, at that point, uh, I mean, for, right out of college, I probably spent a year at home. And then, yeah, I was living in, like, Hoboken and Murray Hill and Manhattan. just And even shit like that, like, my, my buddies would be like, let's go to the bar. And I'd be like, I, I'll, be, I'll meet you there. I got to, like, finish writing this, this, this blog. And that was when I was writing on my own blog. Like, I wasn't even doing it for money or for clicks. So I was just like, I did it. It sounds corny, but it was, like, for the love of the game, you know? So I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I got to build it. That's why you're there. It's yeah. so cool. You know, it's funny. My brother lived in Murray Hill. I think it was uh, 36th Street or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. It was a prison cell. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? It was like, it cost him like 1600 and it yeah. was where the kitchenette is in the fucking living room. Yeah. And I'm just going like, dude, you are getting, yeah, man, Murray Hill. That just reminded me of that. But great, great neighborhood. Yeah, man, for that, for that period of life too, when you're young and just like you want to yeah. booze and hang out. I mean, it, it was it was terrible, but it was also probably like my favorite place I've ever lived. You know, I think I think New York City is going to take a lot of people aren't going to live there anymore after this. Um, Dude, there's you know. no reason. Like, I loved it when I was that age. Now being 35, and it's like I fuck it. It's dirty. It's expensive. It's crowded. It's nasty. It's like why are we all cramming in here? And I, yeah, maybe this will be you know the 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 beginning of the end or the change or whatever. Human human beings are not meant to be in. They did an experiment with mice where they stacked them up in like a building of like, and they just started eating their young and shit. Like it's, it's just like, so um, my, my, uh, and, and, and the coronavirus, my, my family, my whole family, we tested positive. We had, I had oh, the virus. Shit. Yeah, I had the virus. My, I lost my sense of smell and taste. My wife did. Um, then my kids last week, we wanted to find out cause we knew we had it and I wanted to know about my two kids. So we yeah. went, we went over to, uh, this uh, lab in Mount Kisco. And um, they were like, you'll know within 24 to 48 hours, my daughter, eight years old, and like the blood dude was, she yeah, was like, when, when me and my wife went to get tested, my son goes, I'll do it too. And my wife goes, I want all four of us to. And my daughter just wasn't having it. 
Mm-hmm. And it was too much of a process to even get it done. Right. But then when we found out that we did indeed have antibodies, we told the kids, you got it, you're going. Yeah. And my daughter was, it was a fucking, but they, then they found out that they did have it. And the nice thing is they really didn't have symptoms. I was so. going to say, did they ever, yeah, nobody even got sick with it? The, the, I, I was the worst. I had a cough at night, bad, um, but just more tired, achy, but then day five, I lost the sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. And then five days later, my wife did. So we knew we had it, but for the most part, I'm not going to sit here and act like I suffered. Right. You know, scary cough at night. Cause I like the, the news fucked me up. Cause yeah, I'm all, all of a sudden I'm thinking I'm about to fucking die. Yeah. And a later. Yeah. Right. Um, I was, I was real sick. Like at the early, like the first day people were staying home from work. I had been like coughing up a lung for a while and I was like, I definitely got this shit. I, I went to New Rochelle when they started doing the testing like real early. And when it came back negative, I was just stunned. I was almost mad because I was like, if I knew I had it, I could at least like, you know, relax a little. I'm not like living in fear, but at least I'd be like, I know I got the antibodies. Once you guys found out, were you like a little more like, we, we don't have to worry this much. We don't have to do all these different things. Yeah. Like when my son, my son was like, had the like fever for two days and felt like shit. And, and, and then, but he was okay. Never bad. I wanted to make sure that they were okay. But once I knew we all had the antibodies, we felt a little bit like, yeah. even, even if it's not a permanent immunity, you usually, something. You don't even get the flu twice in one year. So even if this gets us to next season, right? It, it's that that was a nice thing. But you, since yours was so early, and you had a bad cough and stuff, you the test could have been wrong then. I know that's the thing too. Is like at first when I was sick, I was like, well, I have these symptoms, but not those symptoms, so I'm good. And then the symptoms change like a week later. Like, oh, actually, it feels like this, and the test can be like this, and the, you know, it's like yeah. I don't think anybody. Knows what the fuck they're talking about. No, they Nobody. literally said they. Li- you want to laugh? Somebody said yesterday, uh, "Your toes, my toes hurt," which was crazy. It was a symptom. Weird. And, they, and they were like, "Yeah," and now they're saying your toes hurt. And when I lost my sense of smell and taste, my fuck, two of my toes killed me, which was weird. Holy but, shit! Uh, yeah, but then they're like, "Yeah, you could shit yourself for three days," <laughs> and I'm going like, "So okay, so it's diarrhea, a cough, your toes hurt, <laughs> everything." Dude, listen to this. You know, do you know the, the comedian uh, Taylor Tomlinson? Yes. So she got tested. The results said your COVID-19 test was negative, which means the test found no evidence that you were infected by the COVID-19 virus. A negative test means that you were probably not infected at the time of testing. However, it's possible that you test you were tested too early in your infection and that you might test positive later. You also could be exposed at any time and develop the illness. It's like, so you don't. I mean, that's, that's nothing. You just told me nothing. I don't have it, but I might have it. You could have had it and you're going to get it. Okay, great. <laughs> it's, it's wild, man. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And then wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. It's like, you know, Yo. you need germs, dude. Like I'm, I'm, a, like, I'm one of these two, like, I'm not, I'm all for wearing a mask so you don't hurt somebody. I'm not one of those. Right. right. But like, um, people are going to get sick after this too, because everybody's so, when you have no germs, yeah. Like everybody's got the mask. Everyone's got this. Like, so they said uh, that comedian Michael Yo, mm-hmm. who he was at Gotham, he got it at Gotham, along with um, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Canazaro, who's the, the big security guy. He was on his oh, deathbed. He was going to die. Shit. And, and the guy in the hospital room next to him died, and he saw that and felt it, and he was like isolated. And then they gave him hydroxy, they gave him the uh, oh, really? chloroquine or whatever, and it saved his life. Wow. Um, yeah. But, uh, they said that the reason why Michael Yo got it was because he's a germaphobe. 
So, so he was he, like compromised. He was, he was, so, yeah. he was so protected from it. Mm-hmm. And then his case was bad where it's like a fever every night. It's like, look, we need our bodies meant to be fucked up. Yeah, that's true. And that's where I feel like, you know, being in New York my whole life, I'm like, I think I've been exposed to all this shit, man. I don't know what it is, but I've been on the subway. I've been in these bars. I've been with all these fucking homeless people, these rats. I'm pretty sure I've got all this shit already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you should go do the antibody test. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I might as well, right? It, it, it can't harm. But well, now, uh, now it's more, they, they were saying that it's the, the ones that I did, they said that my doctor said, give it two, three weeks because it was 25% wrong. But we waited two weeks and they were like, no. And the lady actually said, she goes, I, but the questions I ask you, I'll know. I'll know. And if, if it is, and I said, how about the smell and taste? And she said, it's the one number one indicator. Right. But if your cough was that bad, you should definitely do it. That, that brings me back. Now that we're full circle here, we got a few more minutes, dude. Thanks so much for doing this. This is so got great. Um, baseball players, dude, you're going to spit, right? You're going to spit on the ball. I mean, th- those rules that were going to be like, no spitting, no seeds, no tobacco, no fighting. No, I mean, it's like, it's like then why, you know, and if they actually try to enforce that, I could see them saying, here are the rules. And then these guys get on the field and like, I mean, what's going to happen? An umpire is going to run out at you if you spit? Like, I, I don't even know if you can enforce it, but yeah, I mean, it, it. how is, how is like, what are you guys, are you guys taking a hit at Barstool during this time? I mean, it's got to be a little, or I mean, we're going more to the pop culture thing. Now. Yeah. I mean, very, very lucky that we're in an industry that, you know, we can keep doing everything we do. I think uh, advertisers and companies and clients in general just scaled back spending. It was not something like, we can't work with Barstool anymore. It was just like, we're not going to do the same advertising. We're not going to do the same spending. So, um, you know, we've taken a, a hit, but nothing that, you know, we, we haven't done layoffs, thank God. We haven't uh, had any you know, major issues as of yet, at least. Um, so, so far, so good. Nice. And the office- and, and I, I don't know, uh, numbers wise, like in the beginning, I think everybody took a hit in the beginning, like podcast wise with us, our podcasts are so heavy with like the gym and commutes. And that was like, both gone, you know, but I think eventually people kind of found like, all right, I'm not going to listen on my commute, but I'll listen, you know, when I'm eating breakfast or whatever it may have been. So I think everything kind of uh, leveled off or hopefully went up. I haven't even really, I'm not much of a numbers guy. I just kind of fucking make sure the content's good and, and hope the rest follows. Yeah. After you left that company, after you left that company, you were like, I'm done with numbers. I ain't doing numbers. I ain't doing spreadsheets. I ain't doing charts or graphs. Fuck it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I know we've added a couple shows that people seem to like, so we're just trying to fill the void for people, you know? Did you guys have anybody infected in the office at all? I mean, obviously, you don't have to give names, but did anybody get sick or no? I don't think so. I, everybody thought it was going to be me because I was real sick in the beginning, and then when it wasn't that, I don't think we had anybody. Nice. And, and, uh, although, again, I don't know if anybody would say, no. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and you don't, know who, you, know, you don't know who really knows because a lot of people had this shit in January, February. Right. And then, especially early on, like the testing was so hard to get done. And then everybody goes home to wherever they are, if they even can get testing done. So at, at the moment, I don't think we know anybody now. Are you, so um, you with your kids a lot during this or? Yeah. So I get them a couple of days a week, but they're just like right around the corner. So, I mean, they're, they're young enough that they, they're young enough that wherever we put them, they just kind of do their thing. But my, uh, my girl is, is older and she's pretty smart. So she'll, she fucked me up with some questions. She'd be like, She'd be like, uh, you know, like, I want to go to the playground. And I was like, oh, you can't go outside. And she's like, uh, I want to go to our gymnastics class. And I was like, you can't go there either. And she's like, but that's inside. And I was like, well, yeah, but you, can, you can go, you can't go outside, but you can't go inside. Yeah. And, and, I, and she's like, why not? I'm like, well, you're around people. And she's like, well, I'm around you. I was like, just, just shut the fuck up. I just watch TV. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not smart enough for this shit, okay? 
they they are so because they're oh. so they're so literal yes and yes you, and you're just like you know what that does make sense though right that that, <laughs> that, that does make sense and she'll look at me dead serious she'll be like she looks at me that she's like dad you don't want to get the virus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This is weird for a little four-year-old to worry about, but it's the world we're in now. So my kids obviously know, like, especially my son. Actually, no, now my daughter. They know what I do. They, they are, they're like, daddy tells jokes. Like, I found out, this is hilarious, dude. I'm viral on TikTok and did not know. <laughs> I did a joke on my special that I did with Comedy Central in 2018 about my daughter and I having this lightsaber fight. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all over. Oh, yeah, which, which you like slit the throat and all that shit? Yeah, yeah. So my eleven, my son, who's going to be 11 tomorrow, was on the phone with his 11-year-old friend. I was just talking to my publicist about this before I was on, called you. And he, my son's friend goes, do you have a TikTok account, Lucas? And Lucas, my son, goes, uh, no. And then he see, I'm in the kitchen. He goes, Dad, do you have one? And I go, no. And his friend goes, I swear to God, this is, this is three weeks ago, two, two and a half weeks ago. His friend goes, well, your dad has 2.1 million views and 660,000 likes. And I'm going like, on what? So I look, Comedy Central mm. put all of their clips of like their, their bits. And like, it was literally like Pete Davidson and like uh, uh, Fluffy Iglesias was beating me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going like, what? And now it's at like 3.6 million and almost Ooh. a million likes. Ooh. And I did not know. Yo. Well, obviously, I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to fucking be on this thing. Now you're on TikTok, yeah. <laughs> dancing, dancing like a 15-year-old girl. But, uh, but yeah, no, and it's, it's, it's crazy, but my kids know what I do. Yeah. Your kids know that, like, oh, daddy talks sports or no? No, nah, not yet. I mean, they're still, they're still pretty young. Um, yeah, I don't even know if I've even really tried. I, I said something the other day. Oh, I got, like, I got this, like, microphone here and shit. And they'll be like, you know, what's that? I said that's what dad does for work. But they don't understand the scope of it yet. And to be honest, with the subject matter I'm usually talking about, I hope they never do. I, don't, I hope I don't have to do this for, like, 10 more years. I'm going to have to start erasing shit from the internet, for fuck's sake. Yeah, your daughter's going to be 15 just listening to old no. shit. Don't even joke. Don't even fucking joke, man. <laughs> I mean, most of the, you know, my mom and any of the girls I'm with, I'm usually, like, it's just better to not listen. The shit I'm gonna be talking about, it's gonna give you, you know, it's gonna be problems. And a lot of the like, my mom, my sister, they they know. Like, it's just, it's not for me. I'm probably not gonna like it. I'm just gonna avoid it. Yeah. But I don't know if it's gonna be the same way. You know, kids are not the same. Kids, are, kids get curious, and kids are gonna find out. So I'll just oh, cross yeah. that bridge when we get there. And they love you so much that they want to kind of be a part of what you're doing. You're their dad. Yeah. You know, and yep. and you're known. So what's gonna happen is when your kids in high school. And like, you know, listen, you're KFC from Barstool, you know, um, you know, like my, my, my friend's parents are like, uh, I went to my kid's school, the, the principal was, oh, dude, I liked your special. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't watch what I say. Right, right. I don't watch what I say. Like I say things on a podcast and I'm like, one of these parents, like, listen, there are some of these little shitheads that come to my house I don't like. Yes. Yes. I, I want to, I'm always like. I don't like the way that parent-teacher conference went or some shit. And I want to, like, clown the teacher. And I'm like, and then they're going to hear or someone's going to talk about it. It isn't worth it. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass, man. <laughs> no, absolutely. Campaign problems, though, right? No, yes. Hey, listen, man. We're doing what we love in, mm-hmm. in, in this crazy time. I heard things are starting to open up for, for what we do, but probably not in New York until phase four. I found out yesterday. So. Woo! That means like, yeah, literally like 2021 is when like people are going to be free to go in. But like my buddy Bobby Kelly, he's in Florida this weekend. They're doing half capacity. 
The mm-hmm. staff has to have their temperature taken. The mm-hmm. staff has to have masks. I, I saw, uh, I think Nate Bargatze has like five shows in, in uh, Nashville, like in early yeah. June. So they're uh, starting there. Nashville is doing half the room over at Zany's. That's a great room. I did that last year. They're great over there. But listen, I'll do that. I'm just not, like I said yesterday, I'm not standing on the back of a fucking truck and yelling at cars. I commend anybody who's trying to get creative and figure shit out, but like the stand up shows over zoom and some of these things, it's just like, just wait, just wait, or just do a podcast. Like that's what pod- podcasting is the way to do it virtually or digitally and right. then get back in the room. You can do it then, you know? No, a, a company wanted me to do like with a hundred people on a zoom and I go, I'm not doing stand up. I said, because that's just not, the, that's not my art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, but I said, if you want me to get in the room, yeah, I'll talk and we'll talk or whatever. Yeah. Tell me the guy who's got the most sales. I'll break his balls, whatever. Right. Right. You know, but I'm not going to stand up there and go into a bit. And, but, yeah. No, you, know, you can't do that. No. Um, KFC, this has been, I mean, this hour went by so fast. Yeah, so man. fucking fun, dude. Um, loved having you on. We got to do it again. Cause I can talk I, to you for, I could talk to you for a long time about a lot of different things. And, uh, yeah. Didn't know you were a Westchester guy. That's, That's the thing, better. right? It, it's like there's there's some sort of kinship there. As soon as I heard Westchester, I was like, all right, we're gonna be from we're cut from the same cloth. We know. When you up. say when you said Mount Vernon, there, a warmth went over me. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, this fuck, I can go yep. get a beer with this guy. Nope. And uh, you know, we could talk about how much the Knicks are hurt, break, broke our heart. Hey, unfortunately, we, we could do that for the next like twenty years, probably, dude. <laughs> I, I, it, it is unfortunate. I just said to my, I just said my son, I, my son just is like, Dad, we just got to see him win once. Because I take my son to the garden, and I just, I mean, could you imagine what that year's going to be like? No, I, I, especially in New York, because it's the one sport where we're all together. Like every other, every other season, I'm motherfucking the Yankee fans or the Giants fans. But if the garden is rocking. I mean, the, just that two-week period of insanity was fun. It was just like we had a guy play good for two weeks, and the city was like, oh, fuck, this is crazy. Can you imagine if we were winning, playing into June and shit? Oh, my God. Well, somebody said something so funny. I don't know who said it. Me and Giannis were in my yard. Giannis lives in my neighborhood. We were shooting hoops in my driveway. And somebody said only Nick fans would call the dunk. Like, we made the dunk. In a game and series we lost. Yeah. How, like, it's our thing when we fucking got posterized. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. Uh, well, dude, this has been episode 449. Thank you so much for doing it, buddy. Uh, Anytime, dude. Such a great time. We'll do it again. And um, I'll talk to you soon, man. This was great. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it.